time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad, rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. Street scene, summer, the present. Man on a sidewalk named Lou Bookman, age 60-ish, occupation, pitchman. Lou Bookman, a fixture of the summer, a rather minor component to a hot July. A nondescript, commonplace little man whose life is a treadmill built out of sidewalks. And in just a moment, Lou Bookman will have to concern himself with survival. Because as of three o'clock this hot July afternoon, he'll be stalked by Mr. Death. Episode two of The Twilight Zone was uh, one for the angels. And uh, when we were talking about where is everybody last week, uh, Sean, you were basically saying that uh, it was one of the goofy ones. <laughs> and uh, and I would, get, again, uh, take some issue with that and say, of course. That, uh, you know, walking distance, the, one you, you, the other one you mentioned, and uh, this one, they're not so much goofy as they are sentimental. Yeah, I think I think that's um, I need to I need to describe them better because uh, I really shouldn't be calling an episode about a man dying and a girl getting hit by a truck uh, goofy. So, (laughs) but yeah, it's the it's the sentimental like you know sappy ones that I think um, kind of at at least if they start off that way because there are a good number of Twilight Zone episodes that um, they'll start off you know very like sappy sentimental for lack of better terms and uh they they get really good and on on you know in total they're they're phenomenal episodes but um again i think that's a personal failing failing of mine that i need to be a little bit more patient with them but uh yeah i wouldn't be doing i wouldn't be you know talking to you today if uh honestly i didn't i didn't celebrate rod serling's entire catalog (laughs) (laughs) so you know uh speaking of uh of taking issues with uh with some things here um as as brilliant of a writer as uh, as Rod Serling was, you know, it, it sort of stands out that he wasn't that great at picking names. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the main character is just just Lou Bookman, and uh, the the other one is Mister Death. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, probably could have probably could have could have come up with uh, with something a little bit more uh, more interesting than that. Although I'm- although I you know Mister Death really that that gets the point across. So I, I'll give him a pass on Mister Death. I'm actually uh, surprised Lou that Bookman. Lou Bookman just doesn't sell books, and then that's it. It should be like uh, 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 Mr. Bookman in uh, Seinfeld, who was a library cop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm surprised his name isn't like Buy Trinkets or something like that. <laughs> uh, sell Junk. <laughs> name. Uh. One thing that uh, struck me and it jumped out at me right at the beginning of this episode is, um, you know, like I always hear from uh, from from my dad, even though even though he was a kid at the time. So it's not like he was really living in it. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, like back in the 50s, like everybody dressed up for everything. Mm hmm. And, uh, you know, like, and you'll see it like pictures of of baseball games where everybody's wearing like a suit and tie. And yeah. And and things like that. And uh, no. Nowhere else is it more clearly demonstrated than the guy who literally sells trinkets on the street corner wearing a suit. <laughs> well, you know, he's got to represent himself well, right? He does, or you, or you wouldn't want to buy his stuff. I, exactly. I that's, uh, I'm not uh, buying toys from some guy wearing sweatpants, that's for sure. 
Well, now you probably wouldn't have much of a choice. It's true. It's true. I will. I will. Everybody's going crazy out there. So I'll buy toilet so, paper from anybody. Yeah. I mean, clearly you're, 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 I, I figured that if I had plenty, uh, a good uh, idea right now would be to uh, take, take a roll and go outside, stand outside Costco and sell Lucy's. <laughs> Here, 10 bucks. It's not a bad idea. I've been thinking about asking people, like, if they see any, I'll pay double. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll work. Um, so it, it is a, it is a, a sentimental episode. Um, you know, also a, a continuing theme in the Twilight Zone. Geez, how many of them just involve people being hot in the summer? <laughs> there, it, you know, there really must have been a rash on um, uh, every every window unit must have failed. Every every ceiling fan must have stopped working, and yeah. there it just must have been a, a rash of uh, of heat waves across the country. It, and also, stop they, wearing a suit if if it's yeah, hot. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, like the Twilight Zone just keeps escalating uh, until you get to Midnight Sun, and then yeah. the world ends because <laughs> it's, really it's too hot. I'd love to see a trajectory of like um, all of those, like you know, and every every one of those uh, seasons where there's just it's some someone's hot, someone complains about the heat, and then how many there were after Midnight Sun. Yeah, that that would be a good thing to graph. Um, so it, it, I, it's actually a, a pretty simple episode, you know, uh, yeah. as far as the, the budget, uh, basically they had, they had two sets, they had a street set and a, uh, yeah. an apartment set and the apartment set was one room because apparently selling trinkets on the street doesn't actually pay very well. Go figure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that maybe it's not the subject matter of the episode that originally turned me off. I think it's just the, the, you know, silly character of Lou Bookman. Not that he's silly, but that he's just like, you know, just an aw shucks old man, kind of like, uh, uh, what's his name on the, uh, who's the salesman from, uh, from the Simpsons. Oh, a Gil. Gil. Yeah. Oh, Gil. Yeah. You got to sell some trinkets now. Otherwise <laughs> he, he is kind of get, I wonder if, uh, you know, because uh, the yes guy on Simpsons that yeah. you know, it is yeah. uh, that was that was based off of a real guy. Really, uh, it was. Uh, oh well, see, here's another bit of the trivia. His name was uh, Frank Nelson, and uh, basically, dude was in everything. Like any time, like you look at a, a like every show from like the '50s all the way through Sanford and Son. Yeah. Uh, whenever anybody was shopping, he was the guy. Or whenever, like whenever any customer service situation popped up, he was the guy, and he was always like, "Yes," and uh, and he was always just a smartass. Like that, that was his thing. Oh God, I gotta look that guy uh, up. Like like every everybody like literally Frank, uh, not uh, his name was Frank, uh, Jack Benny. Yeah, uh, he was all over the place on Jack Benny. And then he would just make like cameo appearances every once in a while. <laughs> so when when you see him, like he is. The yes guy from The Simpsons. Oh God! You, you just Google Frank Nelson, and uh, it 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 is that guy. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, that that uh, that that was a, a good rabbit hole to get down. Get <laughs> down. Um, um, so one for the angels. You we have Lou Bookman, who he's visited by the Grim Reaper, Mister Death, who tells him he's going to die. Of natural causes, right in his sleep, which 
You know, I, I get that you wouldn't be too happy about uh, finding out you're going to die. But if, if they tell me, like, like, listen, I've always said, I would like to die uh, peacefully in my sleep, just like my grandfather. Of course. Not screaming in terror like the people on his bus. <laughs> uh, if, if you find out you're going to die and, and they, they, you know, uh, you can't do anything about it anyway, but you find out oh, it's going to be peaceful in my sleep. Uh, okay. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, better better to be behind the wheel than than paying a toll yeah. on the bus. Um, exactly. So he does what anybody... And this actually makes me wonder because, you know, for the past, you know, as, as long as I, in, in my adult life, I've always heard about the baby boomer generation. In the 50s, I wonder if there was a, 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 a disproportionately high uh, number of people who were in Lou Bookman's age bracket, who were susceptible of, you know, riding off into the sunset in their 60s or 70s and dying of natural causes. And if Rod Serling was trying to reach <clears throat> uh, the audience of, well, this is what you can happen. This is what can happen to you if you don't accept the inevitability of death, even if it is the best case possible scenario. Um because immediately when he's told he's going to die a peaceful death and it's over, he tries to make a deal with death. He tries to, you know, change. Well, actually, he doesn't mind. try to make a deal with death. He tries to uh, tries to cheat death. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, right. Sorry. Um, and so what what happens after that? Um, well, you know, he, he basically uh, he, he makes uh he makes his little faux deal with death and, you know, says, Oh, I, I, you know, want to make a, a, a big, uh, a big pitch. He calls it. <clears throat> and then death, you know, agrees to it. And then, uh, and then he basically says, Oh, well, now that you've agreed to it, I'm not going to sell anything ever again. Yeah. And, uh, and so then death says, <clears throat> well, if I can't take you with me, then I, I'm going to have to make other arrangements. And that's when uh, I, you know, it's one thing that, that, really jumped out at me rewatching this episode because I've seen it in, in marathons and everything. And so yeah. um, I've seen it plenty of times, but you know, when the basically death says, I'm going to have to make alternate arrangements. And then a little girl gets hit by, by a truck. I'm like, shit is dark. dark. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's, it's insane, especially for, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, what's been censored even, you know, decades after that, it's like, good Lord, man. All right. Well, you know this sixty-five-year-old uh, Lou Bookman cheated death, so now we're going to murder a little girl. Yeah, how do you like that? <laughs> and not in a peaceful way, by the way. Um, which which kinds of uh, kind of goes back to you know wh- what I was what I was talking about earlier. Like if you try and cheat death, if you try and run away from even the most peaceful of consequences, like is this like the most I mean, what's worse than a little girl getting hit by a truck? I can't imagine. And, anything. You know, by the way, his deal was you're going to die peacefully in your sleep. Hers is you get hit by a truck. <laughs> like it's going to get worse if you try and, like, you know, cheat like, death. Really? When death shows up, don't mess around with him. Just, <laughs> just go. So Maggie gets hit by a truck and uh, she doesn't die right away. She's in the hospital and it's basically understood that, uh, much well, like, no, actually, actually, because this is the fifties, uh, she's in her house and the doctor comes to them. Oh, that's right. Sorry, yes. still the house call era. Um, even by even by the way, and this this shows you just 
uh, that it was it was a low budget thing and and they just had to uh you know they just had to get the, the story rooms. point in there yeah um uh she's hit by a truck and the doc they still just put her in bed yeah <laughs> and the doctor comes to her they they don't want to do x-rays they don't want to they, they they just put her in bed and the doctor comes listens with the stethoscope and says "Ooh, i think uh, you know the next few hours will be will really tell the tale this is such an awful thing to laugh at but it is so Which, by the way and but by the way what what's is she going to heal in the next few hours i mean what <laughs> How are, how are you going to find out? Like you, you kind of know what's what's wrong. Maybe she's the little girl from Logan, and she is like healing at a crazy rate. She's yeah. she's actually baby Wolverine. Yeah, and again, this is just stuff that you know. Once once you're in that world, you sort of ex- accepted that things work the of way course. they work. Yeah, and it's just to service the plot. But when you actually like take a step back. <laughs> I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's because he had 22 minutes spread out over three acts to actually yeah. tell the story. Like, and God knows how many like tens of dollars to exactly. <laughs> but but when you when you actually take a step back and and think about the mechanics of how all this would work, it's like oh, they didn't put a whole lot of thought into that. I mean, they could just do it this just as uh, just as well as just having like a do- a rabid dog biter or something like that. Yeah, they really could actually. <laughs> that, that that would have, uh, or or actually, you know what I what I would have done, and and see if I had been involved in production, I could have saved them some money on this. Uh, I actually would have had him had Mister Death say, "Oh well, if I can't take you with you, guess who's going to die when she falls asleep?" And just have it work out that way instead of yeah. getting her getting hit by a truck because then there's nothing you have to explain. It's just oh, I'm I'm going to take her instead done we need to build a time machine go back you know this i I think this conversation is probably the makings of seeing how the first season of jordan peele's twilight zone ended i think this is the makings of uh episode one season two i i could see that yeah we we need to go back and and say rod listen i'm gonna let you finish your story (laughs) I, i gotta I got a better way for you to do this. In the midst of a pandemic scare in the United States in 2020, two podcasters go back in time and try to fix the Twilight Zone. Yeah. And um, then he's like, and then literally Rod Serling is like, listen, I'm Rod F. and Serling. I can have you <laughs> He just snaps his fingers. Um, so Lou Bookman, after seeing what his decision has 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 brought decides to make another deal with death and what is that well he doesn't actually make a deal he 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 sort of games the system a bit yeah uh in that he he uh you know his original deal with death was i'll go with you after i've made this big pitch right and so uh he he sort of slyly asks uh mr death hey so what happens if you if you don't get up to uh up to uh, the the apartment there at, at midnight, and he's like, "Oh well, that's never happened before." And so then he just starts setting up his case and doing a pitch, and he does so well that he distracts Death until uh, till after midnight. Uh, so obviously, uh, little Maggie's off the hook; her her wounds <laughs> have all healed, and because the doctor comes out and says, "Yeah, you know what? She's gonna be fine." After uh, after just a couple hours, and then he says, "Okay, well, you distracted me." You made your pitch. All right, everything worked out. <clears throat> and then, by the way, they do. He he does. Uh, he does j- just to show how how 
how uh, delightfully quirky the the old man is. He does <laughs> grab his, his case of junk so that he can take it with him to the afterlife. And uh, he says, you know, you never know who might need something up there. And then he goes up there. And Mr. Death says, yeah, you made it. Um, and it's all it's all so heartwarming it really is and that's that's what i um because i remember that there was something like some kind of you know punctuation like that at the end and every time i watch it i always think that there it gets even darker and uh um i always think that uh lou bookman says um you know Something about like up there, and then Death says, "Oh, you're not going up there." <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, that, that's the thing about Serling is he liked when bad people got their comeuppance, mm-hmm. and when good people, you know, got their got their reward. So, oh, yeah, that, that tended to be how how things worked in the Twilight Zone. I think it works out good, and you know what? I'm feeling a little bit after talking through this uh, at length with you, Keith. I am feeling. A little bit better about it. I when I rewatched the episode, even though I got several things wrong about it. Thank you for the corrections. <laughs> um, I uh, it really is one of the good ones, and it kind it kind of motivates me to get a little bit more uh, patient with if I don't immediately like um, you know a character if he's kind of a fuddy duddy. You know, what? maybe that's the entire point of the episode. Yeah. So, so uh, one thing, well, actually a couple of things jumped out at me and um, I, I would imagine some of this was actually casting decisions more than anything else. Um, first of all, dude it had to be more than 60 because he, he's looking a lot older, older than 60, but uh, just, you know, like 1959 wasn't that far away. Wasn't that, wasn't that long ago, but just to hear the guy, uh, Mr. Death, when he's when he's talking to him at the beginning, he says, um, "You know, born 1890." I'm like, "Wow, dude, <laughs> born in 1890? That that's really something." Yeah, he's doing well. Um, yeah, and uh, so yeah, like that that just struck me. It's like, wow, yeah, I guess in the 50s, people were actually walking around that were born in 1890. It's, yeah, it's I, I shouldn't be surprised by that, but uh, but uh, but here we are. Uh, the, the other thing, see, I always think of, of practical things like, you know, how is he making a living and paying for this apartment selling, uh, uh, selling string you know, <laughs> and, and little toy robots on the street? I mean, rent, um, rent control must have been amazing back then. I, right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, so my, my one bit of a trivia for the episode and. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep this Cal Ripken like streak going for every every episode of, of Twilight Zone. I believe in but, you. But uh, my uh, my bit of trivia for this one is: Did you recognize uh, Mr. Death? No, not at all. Uh, that is, uh, and and I again, I'm going to use my internet machine to make sure that I'm, I'm getting his uh, his name right. Uh, I am. That was an actor by the name of Murray Hamilton. Uh huh. And uh, Murray Hamilton, uh, I would know him. I know him from three things: the Twilight Zone. Uh, he played Charles Lindbergh's friend in *The Spirit of St. Louis*, okay. which, uh, a movie from the fifties. Mm-hmm. And the one everybody knows him from—he was the mayor in *Jaws*. Oh shit! And he got so, somehow reelected, even though yeah, he yeah, didn't. 
Yeah, not, Which, again, not there. He's, he's reelected. Again, is very relatable. We're shutting down everything in this country, and the mayor from Jaws never shut down the beaches. So that brings up an excellent question. <laughs> um, was Jaws actually a sequel to One for the Angels, and the mayor in Amity was just Mr. Death trying to collect people? I <laughs> But it actually actually wasn't that this guy's a stupid, corrupt politician. Oh, that's, no. He knew exactly what he was doing. That's awesome. And it looks like he was in the Amityville Horror as well. He played a priest. Oh, see? Same thing. People died in that one, too. So <laughs> it's all actually, connected, wasn't man. That, wasn't that he was, he was incompetent or a, a scumbag politician? No, that, that guy knew exactly what he was doing. Just wanted to keep the economy going. <laughs> <laughs> he he took payments from the from the shark. Yeah, we we all know that's what happened. So uh, so uh, uh, for you, it's the sort of goofy, sentimental episodes that you uh, don't tend to like. I don't tend to like Western episodes, mm-hmm. of which there were many. In the many. Twilight we got one coming up next. Yeah, that that one's coming up next. So we'll see if uh, if 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 I turn my opinion around uh, the way that you have. <laughs> It's uh, it's one that that I used to skip, but uh, but no longer do. I actually like it a whole lot now. Yeah, it's it's not a bad one. It's uh, Mr. Denton on Doomsday, and we'll talk about that next week. Yep. Lewis J. Bookman, age sixty-ish, occupation pitchman. Formerly a fixture of the summer, formerly a rather minor component to a hot July, but throughout his life, a man beloved by the children. And therefore, a most important man. Couldn't happen, you say? Probably not in most places. But it did happen. In the Twilight Zone.